Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Hey guys, it's Jim Weaver, your host for Foundation Stones, the worship and the administrative pastor at Refuge City Church. Thanks for joining me for another edition of Foundation Stones. And today is one that I'm excited to share with you because it's something that I have personally wrestled with in my own life. It's kind of an interesting paradox that we face as Christians is that we recognize that we are in the world, but not of the world. And so if you're anything like me, from time to time, I've wrestled with this thought, is it okay for life to be good? <laughs> and you might think, well, of course it's okay for life to be good, but, but think about it with me for just a minute. You know, sometimes when you are a part of a community of believers that are looking to advance to the next kingdom, which is the kingdom of God and his righteousness and eternal life in heaven with Christ Jesus, sometimes we look around here and we go, wow, things are just kind of negative and everything's a bummer and things are happening. And you know, when things are actually good, we look around and we've got friends and loved ones that are facing difficult things. And so sometimes you'll have what maybe could be considered survivor's guilt. You know, I'm doing okay when other people are not doing okay or whatever. You know, you might you might see that someone's got a negative health diagnosis or a money crisis or, you know, all the political and geopolitical drama around the world and wars and conflict and, and family drama and friend drama and internal heart drama and it's it's like we've just been trained to see that life is always negative, that the glass is always half empty, that life is just meant to be a struggle. And it's difficult to think about just being in a place in our life where everything is okay. I think even at church, I've trained myself sometimes to focus on how much of a struggle life is. I need a breakthrough. I need a deliverance. I need healing. I need answers. I need miracles. I need encouragement. I need hope. I need validation for something I'm walking through. I need my kids to change. I need my spouse to change. I need my culture to change. I need our job to change. We need our goals met. We need our preferences adhered to. We need people around us to see things like we see it so that everything can be okay. And and we're just very discontent and very overwhelmed and very frustrated. And it's almost like if we're not like that, then something's wrong. Have you ever noticed that we're just very rarely settled? Is it okay for life to be good? When you actually feel settled, a couple things plague and torment our minds. Disbelief that everything's actually okay. So we start looking for something to be wrong. Or like I said before, guilt that we're okay when someone else is not. Or maybe even this, that the fear of being okay displeases God. Because in order to please him, we need to be constantly pushing and proving and striving and struggling. What do you think? Is it okay with God for you to be good? And if so, how do you live? How do you live settled in life being good? We sing songs about God being good. We read scriptures about God being good. And then we live life as if this life is a drag. 
I want to read some scripture for you today. This is going to be coming at you from Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading this entire scripture today out of the New Living Translation. It's just kind of a simpler way to look at it because the language of this is very understandable. And so let me read Colossians 3. We're going to read 1 through 17, and then I'm going to break this down in sections for us as we go through our points today because I think this is so powerful. It's just very basic. It's very simple. It's very important. Because if we are living as if life is a drag, then we're actually not spreading the fragrance of the goodness of God. And other people aren't going to want to follow God if they see Christians living life (laughs) as if life is just this big drag. Because it's not. Because I truly believe that it's okay with God that life is good. And that life can still be good when we walk through struggles. So let's look at it. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Again, that was Colossians 3, 1 through 17 out of the New Living Translation. I want to pull a few things out of this for us. The first thing is that we have got to settle that we have been saved. Now, if you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have received his salvation, if you have received what he did on the cross as having been done for you, then the Bible says that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you've been saved. And I think that our initial struggle with life being good is this initial struggle to really let our hearts be resting secure in the fact that you have been saved. And if you've been saved, then all of the stuff we struggle with is subsidiary to the greatness and the power and the glory and the goodness of God. Look at what it says in verse 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. What it's saying here is that we need to lift our eyes to the hills. We need to lift our eyes up off of our circumstances where we can focus on the realities of heaven 
where Jesus sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. It continues, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't know about you, but that sounds like good things to me. (laughs) And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That is the goodness of God. And it's your inheritance. That's what you receive when you receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. So I just want you to know today in this Foundation Stones podcast, this is a foundation stone. If you've received Christ, you've been given new life. You've been raised up to new life in Christ. And that means that life, in spite of all the struggles, is good. It says, since you have been raised to new life. Think about that imagery. When you came to Christ, your spirit, your heart, even your flesh, your mind, your personhood, your life has been raised and elevated to a new place. And that is to the position of sonship or daughtership of the Most High God. So that means that all of a sudden, through his transforming power because of his forgiveness, you are identified with him. You're identified with him. You come alongside him. You're wearing his name on your life. It says in verse 3 and 4, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You're hidden with him. You are behind his headship. Wow, what an amazing thing. And it says you will share in all his glory. So what that means is that in Christ, you've been restored. In Christ, you've been refreshed. In Christ, you are anointed. In Christ, you are seated according to Ephesians. You're seated with him in heavenly places. So let me tell you, that is good. So is it okay for life to be good? (laughs) Yes, it is. Because when you are hidden with Christ, then that means that life is good. And so what happens is in this life, we're still going to have struggles. We're still going to deal with things, but life is good because we've been saved. So that means that we've got to make sure that our flesh, that our sin nature, that our inclination to sin is submitted to Christ. We've got to continue to subject our flesh to Jesus. So what does it say? It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So when life is good, when salvation has come, you've got to make sure you keep your flesh surrendered and sacrificed on his altar and saying, God, life is good, so I don't want anything to taint that. I don't want my own evil, sinful desires to taint that. It says in the word here in Colossians 3, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. There is absolutely no question what the Bible is talking about. You've got to rid yourself of sexual immorality, things that make you impure, things that you lust after, and things that you desire with an evil intention. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. What's greed? It means I want more for myself. It says worshiping the things of this world. We don't worship the things of this world. That's when we start to struggle is when we make things that are not God into God. That's actually self-worship. It's self-serving. It says this, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. 
So what a powerful declaration of what we inherit when we have new life, when life is good. So that means that we got to make sure nothing in this life starts stealing the goodness of the life that we have been raised to. So we've got to rid ourselves of filth, things that are dirty, things that taint us, things that weigh us down. It says in verse 5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. You and I both know we've got junk lurking inside of us that we've got to continue to subject to Christ. And as we do that, we are continually elevated into life in Christ to where life can be good. So let me tell you, life is not good when you permit your sin nature to have control over your life. You can't be controlled by two masters. You've got to either be controlled by Christ because you've submitted your flesh to him and he's raised you to new life, or you have allowed yourself to be a slave of sin, which removes you from the goodness of God. It says that we should treat everyone like Christ would treat them. It says this, this is about our relationships with other people. In verse 8 and 9, it says, get rid of anger. Hmm. That's a huge one in our day and age. Everybody seems to be angry about something. It says, get rid of anger and rage. So anger and rage. I want to be validated. I want my opinion done. I want my way. I want other people to think like me. I hate that person. I dislike that person. I disagree with that person. And this can even happen in the church. And this is what Paul's telling the Colossian church. Get rid of it. Get rid of anger. Get rid of rage. Malicious behavior. This means premeditated evil behavior. Get rid of slander. Stop slandering other people. Stop speaking evil of one another and even of the world. Stop. Stop doing it. And it says, and to get rid of dirty language. Things that come out of our mouth that don't glorify God. Cussing and lewdness and coarse joking and jesting. Just get rid of it. Get rid of dirty language. It says, don't lie to each other. Why would we compromise? Why would we want to taint and to compromise the goodness of God? This is where it's okay for life to be good. You say, oh, well, that's just too holier than thou. No, it's not. This is the transformed life that Christ gives us. Why would we want to taint it? By allowing our earthly sinful nature to prevail. It also shows us that we should make space for other people to live. I think it's really interesting, this list of people that Paul includes here, because we have a tendency to make Christians to look like we look, when in fact the world is full of cultures, the world is full of civilized people and uncivilized people, and yet Christ came from all. Look what it says in verse 11. In this new life, this new good life is what we're talking about. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. In other words, it doesn't matter if you come up with the really good religious background or whether you're just starting out. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. What That means that you're following the law or you're not understanding the Jewish traditions. It doesn't matter whether you're barbaric or uncivilized or whether you're a slave or <laughs> whether you're free. And we have a tendency to put ourselves into a category and look at other people and say, you don't fit my category of what it looks like to be a Christian. It's very interesting to me the times that I've been overseas because I've been challenged in my view of what a Christian could look like. When I've gone into the African bush or when I've walked in the areas of Thailand or the Philippines and I have encountered people who genuinely love God that don't speak my language, that don't sing my songs, and that don't conduct their worship services the way that I'm used to, does that mean they love Jesus any less? (laughs) No. In fact, it creates in me the revelation 
that the new life of Christ is for every tribe, tongue, and nation, and that my little sliver of it is just as valuable as theirs, but I don't have to try and make them to be an American Christian, and they don't have to make me be a Filipino Christian. What we need to do is turn our eyes to Christ and live the life that he's given us to live in holiness and purity. And this is the overarching umbrella over all of it is the scripture is telling us the way that we live that good life as we put on Christ's character. So how did Christ behave? It continues in verse 12. It says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Now, wait a second here. It says you must do it. Yes, we're empowered by the Spirit, but if I choose to not have these things, I can hijack the whole process, which means that I need to choose to have these things. So it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. You must choose. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is really important because sometimes we go, well, I just got out of control. Yeah, you did. You chose to let yourself indulge in sin by behaving in the flesh instead of behaving like Christ, because Christ is tenderhearted and merciful and kind and humble and gentle and patient. It says this next, and this is very, very valuable, especially in the church, but in the world at large, it says, make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, let people have the freedom to be able to grow in Christ for themselves. Sometimes we like to be the Christian police where we wander around and police everybody else into behavior change. And and you know what? Let the Holy Spirit do that. If you need to speak a word of encouragement or admonishment or correction, you do it with love. But sometimes we go around and we hammer people with judgment and that doesn't cause them to want to become more like Christ. It may actually push them away. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This is how life can remain good, is to live in forgiveness, to live in the allowance for each other's faults. People are different than you are. Some people are in a different part of their walk with Christ than you are. And so it's important for you to be forgiving And the Bible saying here to make allowance for each other's faults. And it says this, it continues, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I love the body of Christ. I love being in a worship service and just looking across the crowd. And you've got people who have been Christians for 50 or 60 years, worshiping next to somebody who's been a Christian for five or six days. And I think what's amazing is while one person may know a whole lot more than another, When we love each other, we are bound together in perfect harmony. And that's what I want. I want to be bound together with the bride of Christ in perfect harmony, bringing glory to God, no matter how much I know or how much I don't know, no matter how much I understand or agree with everybody in the room or don't. I want perfect harmony as I love each other, as I forgive those who need to be forgiven, as I receive forgiveness from those that need to forgive me. It continues, and let the peace. Again, this is a permissive word. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. So is it possible when we're dealing with the trial and struggle and difficulties in life where we're feeling guilty if we could ever possibly have the goodness of God, it's because we have chosen to not let the peace that comes from Christ rule in our hearts. How do we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? We subject ourselves to him every day and say, I receive your peace. And you sit there in his presence and let him replace all of the turmoil and the difficulty in your heart with the peace that passes understanding. 
It says this, For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Thanksgiving is a really powerful way to stay at peace in your heart. Being thankful is a really great way to stay in the perspective that this life you've been called up to in Christ is really good. And you don't have to feel guilty of enjoying that good, clean heart that he's given you to enjoy this life that you're living. And so that means we can care about people. Colossians 3.12 says, You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. you got to care about each other. And as we care about each other, this gives us the inheritance of being able to enjoy the goodness of the life that God has called us up to. All these attributes, they're needed in order to be given away because we don't just have a good life so that we can have a good life for ourselves. And I think that's where we struggle is I don't want to just have this good life and woohoo me, I've got this really cool life. And then we feel guilty because we see other people struggle. No, when we are operating in the good called up life that Christ Jesus has given us, that means that we can then give this good life to others. And we do that, like I said, through, through forgiveness, through loving extravagantly. Colossians 3.13, it's saying, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So this goodness that you've received, now you give it away. You don't choose. You, you don't pick and choose who gets forgiveness. You forgive everyone. We don't hold that forgiveness back because we're holding back the goodness of God. We did not deserve to be forgiven. So why would we hold back forgiveness for somebody else? We love. We love extravagantly. It says above all, verse 14, clothe yourselves with love. Again, this is a verb. You have to do it. You clothe yourself with love. You wake up in the morning and decide to put on love. And it says that it binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so I want you to know today that you, you're called to live in peace. In other words, God's desire and calling for you is that your life is good. Is it okay for life to be good? (laughs) Yeah. It's important that life is good. That doesn't mean life is easy. It doesn't mean that you don't have struggles. What it means is that you understand the definition of good and that you have been called up into the life of Christ. And so what do you do when things are good? You know, when things just seem to be okay, instead of striving to figure out what's wrong, maybe this is a season for you to grow. And so what I try to think about when everything's okay, when life is settled, when things are going well and it doesn't seem like there's anything to figure out and there's nothing that I need to fix and everything is okay, this is a moment where I can cultivate faith, where I can cultivate contentment and thanksgiving. It's in those good times. It's a time to build up your faith in Christ, praying and studying, because today's growth is going to help you through tomorrow's trial. So don't wait. You know, this is what I found in my own life. When things are good, that's when I stop reading the Bible. When things are good, that's when I stop praying. When things are good, that's when I stop fellowshipping. I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, I feel like my spiritual gas tank is on empty because I didn't use the good times to fill the gas tank up. And so I just encourage you, proactively give thanks. Proactively practice contentment. Proactively study and pursue God in the good times because... That's actually building you up to be able to encounter the difficult seasons with faith. It's kind of like the old ship captain 
When the ocean waters were still, the crew found the captain down in the cabin, and he was praying. And people were really confused. And the first officer came to the captain and said, why are you down there praying and everything is good? Shouldn't you be up on the deck? And he says, no, I pray now when it's calm and when the storm hits, I steer the ship. And so prepare, get ready, because there may be a storm coming. When things are good, that's the time to fill up the gas tank. That's the time to get the instruction. That's the time to build up your faith. And then this, I just want you to know, you should plant and you should harvest. Because when things are good, when spring hits, when the birds are singing, when the sun is warming up the soil, that's when you plant the seeds. And you get about the business of planting. And then you tend to it, and you tend to it, and you tend to it, because you know that the storm is coming in the fall, and you're going to need to reap the harvest. And so use those seasons to grow the kingdom of God. And then the last thing, let me just tell you, when things are good, when things are okay, enjoy it. I want you to just take a deep breath. (sighs) Just enjoy it. Use it as an opportunity to worship God. Don't feel guilty about the goodness of the life that God has given you. Don't feel guilty if you're in a season of goodness. Use that as an opportunity to be generous with the life that you've given and to prepare your heart should a storm choose to come later on. I like what it says in Psalm 23, but I find that Psalm 23 sometimes has an inordinate amount of focus given to the valley of the shadow of death and the presence of my enemies and all that kind of stuff. But what if we read Psalm 23 today? A little bit different, and we look for the places where it talks about wholeness and green pastures and quiet waters and refreshing and righteousness and comfort and the feast that's coming and and ultimately dwelling in God's presence. Let me read this for you, and I want you to decide for yourself if it's okay that God gives us goodness in this life. Verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an amazing picture that we get there. So again, I ask the question, is it okay for life to be good? Is it okay to have good seasons? Is it okay to be content? Is it okay to have no drama and no trauma going on in your life? Is it okay to feel those moments without feeling guilty? Yes, absolutely. Because when you're in those moments, you know you've been called up to the inheritance of life in Christ. You're being prepared for the storm, but you're also being prepared as a refuge to embrace other people that are walking through difficult times. So I just want to encourage you, take a deep breath today. Spend some time thanking God for where you are and choose today to grow in Christ, no matter what season you're in, knowing that the day will prove that you are growing in Christ and getting ever closer to that day when we see him face to face. Thank you for joining me today, everyone. I appreciate your shares, 
I appreciate your communication with me. I'd love to hear from you. So you can email Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y, at refugecity.church. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to being with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.